This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Indeed it is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Coming to you live here from the Florida Freedom Zone at Brian's station here in Orlando, Florida. WDBO. And I'm very excited to be filling in for Brian Kilmeade today, uh, as is uh, is always the case. If you ever get a chance to fill in for Brian Kilmeade, I tell you, jump at the opportunity. It is a whole lot of fun, and Brian's team makes it so remarkably easy to do. You can pretty much just step up to a microphone, and and Brian's team does just a truly phenomenal job. You can join the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. It happens to be Orlando's birthday today. We are 148 years old today here in Orlando. We don't look a day over 147, i got to be honest with you. Uh, But I'm very excited to be here with you right now. And especially on this on this day, by the way, uh, a couple of people have asked, where is Brian? Don't worry. Brian is doing great. He's healthy. He's well. He is enjoying his time off and he will be back midweek. He'll be back on Wednesday. So uh, just a little bit more time and then Brian is going to be back. And I think we can all agree uh, with all that Brian does, both in radio in TV in literature uh, in charitable causes and so much more, dogs, wives, kids. Uh, Brian is busier than probably anybody that I know, probably busier than anybody you know. And so he certainly needed and deserved some some significant time off. So uh, good for him. And uh, we'll certainly welcome him back. Uh, but be thinking about him and, and enjoying the fact that he has some time off with his family uh, right now, which is, is fantastic. Uh, joining us here first up on the Brian Kilmeade Show today is uh, Andrew McCarthy. He's a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He's the author of Ball of Collusion, the plot to rig an election and destroy a presidency. You'll find him online at Andrew C. McCarthy. Uh, Andy, welcome. I'm so glad you're joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Joe, pleasure to be with you. And today, as I alluded, is going to be a busy day uh, when it when it comes to quite a few legal matters. And that's why we wanted to get you on straight away today to talk about that. Uh, let's start with Devin Archer. Uh, Devin Archer, who is going to be testifying today. Uh, and if ever there is a Biden party insider, uh, Devin Archer may well be the guy. Yeah, he sure is. He's uh, Hunter Biden's longtime partner. They went to Yale together. I think that's where they met. Um, Archer is kind of a Democratic operative in his own right. He was a vice chairman of John Kerry's uh, failed 2004 presidential election. So he's got um, a lot of political connections as well. And he is testifying today under circumstances where he's been convicted in federal court in Manhattan of a major fraud where uh, he's looking at a year in jail and more importantly for him, I'm sure, uh, about $60 million in forfeitures and 
restitution. Uh, so that's the that's the situation he finds himself in. And the testimony today, if I'm not mistaken, is behind closed doors. That is correct. And, you know, I just think everybody ought to take a deep breath on this. I, I, I've been watching this uh, pretty carefully. I think um, if Archer says what's been reported, he'll say, which is that uh, Hunter Biden brought his father directly into a lot of their uh, transactions with a lot of these foreign actors. Uh, that would be very interesting testimony, but it would also be what we already know. Uh, there's a lot of evidence for that uh, already. It'd be good to have it, obviously, from Archer. Um, but the more interesting thing is, would he say that what they were involved in was a scheme to profit off Joe Biden's political influence? And I'd be very surprised if he says that. Um, he would have to implicate himself uh, in a lot of things that at the moment there's no cases on him in connection with that. So we'll see what he says. I imagine that it'll be a few days before we know. Eventually, we'll see the transcript of his testimony. But um, let's see what he says. And I'm sorry, we, we will? Even though it's a closed session, we will be able to see the testimony? Well, I'm just going, Joe, on the basis of, remember the IRS whistleblowers who testified sure. before in the televised hearings? Yeah. So before they did the, that, they testified behind closed doors. And within a couple of weeks of that testimony, we, the committee released the transcripts. So if, the, if past this prologue in that sense, I think we will see the transcript of this guy's testimony. Um, but I think it'd be very interesting to see, is he willing to implicate himself in fraudulent activity? And the other thing I'd be very interested in asking him, we've heard that he testified in the grand jury. I'm not convinced that there actually is a Justice Department investigation of the Bidens. I think they're saying there is one so that they can avoid cooperating with, with Congress. But I would be asking them, you know, when you were in the grand jury, did they ask you any questions about President Biden? What we heard from the whistleblowers is that they were told not to ask any questions about President Biden. So I'd be interested in finding out what did the Justice Department ask him when they had him in the grand jury. We're talking to Annie McCarthy here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. It's at Talk Radio Joe anywhere online. We're talking to Fox News contributor Andy McCarthy. Uh, my understanding is that, that one of the things that we may learn from Devin Archer today, n not that this is a, a secret by any stretch, but he uh, – my impression is that he's going to out who the big guy is. Now, we all – know who the big guy is, that would be Joe Biden, but nobody has gone on record saying so. Andy? Hey. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, the line cut out. Yeah, yeah, you go ahead. So do, do you think we're going to hear Devin Archer today identify the big guy? Uh, I, I, I just don't know. I don't think it's that controversial that Joe Biden is the big guy. Enough people have said that. I, I what I want to see, Joe, overall is 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 Archer willing to break new ground? Is he willing to tell us things about this that we don't already know? If he said, yes, Biden's the big guy, he would be about the third person or fourth person to say that. And the, in the context, we've heard that before. There's no doubt that Joe Biden is the big guy because it's the only thing that makes sense in con in context. But um, again, you know, I, I'm I'm skeptical about this convicted fraudster's testimony, who's a lifelong partner of Hunter Biden. So 
I guess if I sound a little jaded, that's the reason. So we should we should be at least cautious going into this because we don't know how this guy's uh, allegiance lines up at this point. That's right. And also, uh, Joe, I point out that there's nothing Congress can do for him. You know, if he was talking to prosecutors who, who were in the willing, who were in the uh, position to give him immunity or get him out from under a sentence, it would be a different matter. But this committee can't do anything for him. Let's uh, let's take a moment to talk about Donald Trump. Uh, we're talking to Andy McCarthy here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, we learned over the weekend that some of these small donations that are going to Donald Trump are in fact going to Donald Trump's legal defenses. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that, that's there's been a lot of reporting about that, and you know it also gives Trump uh, not that he I think he would be running for president anyway, but you know with all these different prosecutions against him from you know whether it's the Criminal cases are the civil cases. He's got a you know a civil trial coming up in New York in October. He's got another one coming up in New York in January, and that's besides all these criminal cases. His legal bills are quite high, and in some sense, he, he almost has to run for president just to you know unless he unless he's going to go into his own pocket, um, he needs to run for president to just to pay his legal fees. And I know that there's lots of rules about campaign finances. And I mean, is that an acceptable use of campaign donations to pay your legal uh, your legal fees? Yeah, well, I'm not a great expert in the campaign finance laws. There are exceptions that allow you to do that in certain circumstances. And it also depends on what the vehicle is. You know, there's some things that the official campaign can and can't do that tax uh, are not under the same uh, restriction. So it really depends on what the vehicle is and what the exact nature of the payment is. We are talking to Fox News contributor Andy McCarthy. Uh, President Trump is, uh, conventionally speaking, a candidate that is under investigation or under indictment uh, or looking at criminal charges. They might downplay that on the on the campaign field, uh, but Donald Trump is instead leaning into it. Uh, that, that is becoming a major part of his platform. Uh, he is campaigning on the the victimization he feels and his campaign feels from the Department of Justice. Yeah, I think it's one of those cases of uh, of trying to make lemonade out of lemons. You know, nobody wants to be under indictment. I'm sure President Trump does not enjoy being under all these investigations and, un, and under all these charges. But at the same time, it resonates with his political base when he gives them the message that the other side is going after him. Because as far as he's concerned, this is their only way to stop him from, you know, reclaiming the presidency. They're trying to knock him out. My own view of it is they they are trying to get him nominated because they think they can beat him in the general election. And they think that these prosecutions gin up the base and makes it, it makes it more difficult for the other candidates to get traction. It makes it more likely that Trump will win the nomination. But Trump's own message to his people is that. Uh, they're doing this to him to persecute him because he's they know he can beat Biden and they're trying to you know blow him out of the race. And that that message seems to have uh, resonance with that group of voters. Last question for you. Uh, again, Andy McCarthy is joining us. He is a Fox News contributor. Uh, Andy, the uh, governor DeSantis, uh, presidential candidate DeSantis, says he would consider pardoning Donald Trump to unite the country if he is elected president. Certainly, that is a politically calculated move. Uh, but what what are your thoughts on whether or not, uh, assuming that all of those elements move into place and that he he DeSantis becomes president, uh, your thoughts on whether or not he should pardon Donald Trump? 
Yeah, I don't think there's any reason for – to me, this is kind of a beside-the-point conversation. I know that Vivek uh, Ramaswamy is the first one who made this into an issue about six weeks ago. And at the time, what I said was it's kind of a pointless conversation because if you win the election, you're running the Justice Department. So if you're running the Justice Department, you don't need to pardon Trump because they just won't prosecute him. You know, if there was a case, they would drop the case. And then by the time you were out of office, even if you were one term president, all the statute of limitations on Trump would have run. So there's no the only person I think it's conceivable could pardon Trump uh, is Joe Biden. And I wouldn't um, I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for that to happen. Evidently, I lie. And I said that was the last question. That was the second to the last question. Here is the last question. Uh, The Florida governor has also said that he would pardon or would consider pardoning the January 6th defendants. Uh, That one's a little bit different because those are people who have already been convicted and many of whom are already serving jail sentences. Yeah, I think it's very unfortunate for him. I mean, look, to my mind, pardons are a case by case basis. And it's always possible that there was a that there was an injustice done. But for DeSantis to come out and, you, and talk about them categorically uh, under circumstances where there was a violent uprising at the Capitol, I just I, I don't think that um, that kind of an appeal is, is going to turn off a lot of the country. Uh, certainly you're right about that. that. Andrew McCarthy, thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's a Fox News contributor, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and author of Ball of Collusion, The Plot to Rig an Election and Destroy a Presidency. Andy, thank you so much for joining us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks a lot, Joe. You got it. Coming up next here, we're going to dive into, we'll get some of your phone calls coming up. The number is 866-408-7669. This as the new CDC director is pushing for annual COVID shots, annual COVID shots, just like the flu shot. Will you be rolling up your sleeve for an annual COVID shot at the behest of the new CDC director? We'll get into that coming up next. You can join us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. I'm Joe Kelly, and we'll continue coming up straight ahead on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Joe Kelly here in the Florida Freedom Zone from WDBO Radio, where I host the Joe Kelly Show weekday afternoons from 5 till 7 p.m. It's an honor to be a guest hosting the Brian Kilmeade Show today. BK is good to be back with us here on Wednesday. You can join me at 866-408-7669 or check out briankilmeadeshow.com. And a big A big congratulations, y'all. This is really exciting. Congratulations to President Joe Biden on the birth of his seventh grandchild. This is really exciting news. Uh, His seventh grandchild uh, is four years old, by by the way. It's not a brand new child, but for the first time ever, the Bidens have now recognized that they don't have six grandchildren, but seven grandchildren. They have finally recognized Hunter Biden's child 
with the uh, former stripper from from Arkansas. The 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 four year old daughter granddaughter is Navy Joan Roberts. Uh, that's the child of Hunter Biden and London Roberts. Uh, this is going to be this. And I can't quite get the date on this, but it either happened late Friday or early Saturday. The Bidens released a statement that reads. Our son, Hunter, and Navy's mother, London, are working together to foster a relationship that is in the best interests of their daughter, preserving her privacy as much as possible going forward. Uh, This is not a political issue. It's a family matter. Jill and I only want what is best for all of our grandchildren, including Navy. So there is nothing like trying to bury a story Uh, by releasing it on a Friday or Saturday when the normal media cycle is not in place. Uh, That is an ideal way to make sure that a story goes unreported. But, of course, here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, we report it. We we don't get lost just because something came out over the weekend. So at, at least Joe Biden has now recognized that he doesn't have six but seven grandchildren. So congratulations to uh, to Joe Biden on the birth of his latest grandchild four years ago. Four years later, finally recognizing that child. I, I feel for that kid on a, on a variety of levels. That child is going to grow up uh, finding out weird stuff about dad. I mean, at some point, that child, uh, whether deliberately or on accident or by cruel kids at school that are picking on uh, this girl, this child is going to find out what was on the laptop. I mean, there's just no way this is not going to happen. Someone is going to show her pictures of her dad in compromising positions, and it is going to be horribly embarrassing. This child is going to need all of the prayers that, that we can muster. Uh, this child is going to need all of the psychological counseling uh, that uh, America has to offer. I, I, I truly, genuinely have nothing but compassion and and sadness, honestly, for this child. And I I hope uh, that this child, that Navy, the child's name, Navy Joan Roberts, I hope that Navy Roberts is is able to rise up and overcome the challenges and difficulties of being born, not just into the Biden family at a really lousy time, uh, as we learn more and more about the corruption of the Biden family, uh, but that this child has been born in such a way that it was, uh, and I hate to use the word illegitimate, but uh, in, in an illegitimate manner, non-marital manner. And it, this child is going to need a lot of help going forward. And I, I don't want to hear anybody ridiculing the child. We can ridicule Hunter and, and perhaps uh, Hunter's baby mama, but not this child, not Navy Joan Roberts. I'm Joe Kelly. We will continue the Brian Kilmeade Show coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. As a country founded upon freedom, the greatest deprivation of freedom was slavery. Uh, there's, there's no silver lining in freedom, in, in slavery. The truth is that anything you can learn, that any benefits that people suggest you had during slavery, you would have had as a free person. Uh, what slavery was was really about separating families, about mutilating humans, 
and even raping their wives. It was just it was devastating. So I would hope that every person in our country and certainly running for president would appreciate that. And listen, people have bad days. Sometimes they regret what they say. And we should uh, ask them again to clarify their positions. That it is uh, Senator Tim Scott Friday, Republican from South Carolina. He's obviously a presidential candidate, GOP presidential candidate, African-American, commenting about new curriculum here in the state of Florida. I'm Joe Kelly filling in for Brian Kilmeade, and I am coming to you from Florida here in Orlando. And I I will tell you a little bit about this kind of behind the scenes here when it comes to uh, Florida teaching slavery. I am guessing that everybody outside of Florida uh, has been getting misinformation about this particular story. Uh, and I re- uh, it was now, gosh, it would have been two weeks ago Thursday that Kamala Harris came to Florida. She came to Jacksonville and she gave a, a speech in Jacksonville blasting the curriculum that has been established here in Florida when it comes to teaching African-American studies. And sh- she, Kamala Harris, singled out one single line from hundreds of lines uh, about slavery and how it's going to be taught, how African-American history is going to be taught in Florida schools. She literally picked one line and and held an entire – I mean, she flew all the way down to Florida to hold a campaign speech, to hold a speech blasting Ron DeSantis over one single sentence that exists in the African history studies curriculum and that one line reads instruction includes how slaves develop skills which in some cases could be applied for their personal benefit that was the one line now before kamala harris came to florida uh, we hadn't yet seen the totality of the african american studies program and when she came here and said that uh, and and if you were to just believe what kamala harris said you would think that the only thing Florida is going to teach about slavery is that being enslaved benefited some Africans because they learned skill sets. One would think that's the entirety of the curriculum that is going to be taught in Florida in the fall, which, by the way, for us starts uh, in 12 days from now. Our schools start in 12, 11 days from now. Uh But one would think that's all that's being taught. And so when she made those statements on Thursday, I made it really clear the following day on Friday when I hosted my show that I wasn't going to address it because I knew that it was that it was still missing pieces of the puzzle. I knew that we had not yet put our eyes on uh, and our, our heads wrapping our heads around the totality of the African studies here in Florida And once you look at the totality of the African studies here in Florida, honestly, I think it would be the model of American studies when it comes to African-American studies. And the uh, the National Review did a wonderful piece on this. Uh, Charles C.W. Cook uh, went through the the entire state of Florida African-American studies guide. And he, he this is simple research, folks. He, he searched for the word slave, slaves, and slavery. He wanted to see every time that it came up uh, in education here in the state of Florida. And there were 191 times that the word slave, slaves, or slavery appeared. And only one of those times 
does it actually talk about how slaves might have benefited from their skills? All of the other points are terrible, are, are absolutely terrible, terrible in that terrible what we, America, did to slaves. And it includes, and I'm not going to go through the whole list because, as I said, there's 191 bullets on this list of how slavery is going to be taught in the, uh, in the state of Florida. Uh, but it reads in part, instruction includes what life was like for the earliest slaves and the emancipated in North America. Examine the Underground Railroad and how former slaves partnered with other free people and groups in assisting those who escaped from slavery. Instruction will include the Emancipation Proclamation, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, understanding the causes, courses, and consequences of the slave trade in the colonies. Uh, includes the similarities and differences between serfdom and slavery. Describe the history and evolution of slave codes. Analyze slave results that happened in the early colonial America. Analyze events involved or affecting Africans from the founding of the nation through Reconstruction. Explain the effect of the cotton industry on expansion of slavery due to the Eli Cotton and Eli Whitney's cotton gin. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Uh, just look for just, you know, search for National Review and Kamala Harris. Uh, but even the headline, Kamala Harris is brazenly lying about Florida's slavery curriculum. So then for Tim Scott to come along and say there's no silver lining in slavery. Again, Tim Scott. Now, he may just be doing this for political reasons or perhaps he has not fully educated himself on what we're doing here in the state of Florida. I don't know which is the case. But for Tim Scott to join the Kamala Harris bandwagon uh, is thoroughly disappointing. Very sorry to hear that. And I want you to hear cut 16 as Governor DeSantis uh, vows to fight back against people who are critics of our state curriculum. Take a listen. And I got Kamala Harris coming down to Florida trying to create uh, phony narratives because she understands Florida has stood up to the left's agenda. We have beat the left's agenda in the state of Florida. And so she thinks she can come down and lie about what we're doing in the state of Florida. I'm not budging an inch. We are going to fight back against these people, and we are not letting them take over our schools any longer. We are going to get this right as a nation. You know, last night I was watching uh, ABC News, and they had a little featurette on an interview that they're doing with Kamala Harris and they tease to tonight's broadcast where they're going to do the or they're going to, they're going to air the whole thing. But ABC plays right along. ABC asked Kamala Harris uh, about the benefits of slavery in in Florida, as if that's the only thing that Florida is teaching. I mean, part of our problem. Look, we expect politicians to lie. That's what politicians do. Of all stripes, politicians lie. I don't trust a single politician on a local, statewide or national or certainly not a global level. I don't trust politicians. I don't think any of them have our best vested interest at heart. So my default position is to not trust our elected leaders uh, and particularly when they're telling lies, blatant lies like this. But what is really frustrating to me is I expect the media to tell the truth. I am a member of the media. Any, uh, anybody that you listen to on the radio is a member of the media, and it, it drives me insane to hear the media either lying or lying by omission. And for ABC to sit down with Kamala Harris 
and ask her about the benefits of slavery that are being taught in the state of Florida is is a lie of omission. And it's a blatant lie. It's it's a it's dangerous. I mean, you're you you are uh, inspiring people to hate Florida. You're inspiring people to misjudge Florida. Oh, Florida has plenty of problems. Don't get me wrong. All right. I love this state. I love living in Florida and we have issues. We all have everybody has issues. But all in all, uh, here in the Florida Freedom Zone, I'm quite, quite happy. I've lived in a lot of states uh, and Florida certainly is uh, is is a wonderful state. But, you know, we have Florida man and we have alligators and we have uh, mosquitoes and we have monkeys with herpes and we have uh, all kinds of crazy things here in Florida. I discovered bats last night at my house. So I, you know, we've everybody has bats though. We've got a lot of issues here in Florida. But uh, how how we teach uh, African American studies, frankly, isn't one of them. And when the NAACP issues a travel advisory to the state of Florida, uh, that's problematic. That's problematic on behalf of the NAACP because they are not being honest. Uh, you know, again, we, we expect dishonesty from politicians, but it is particularly aggravating when we have dishonesty from the news media, dishonesty from uh, groups like the NAACP, uh, because Florida is doing what I would consider to be a stellar job. Because when I, when I first when I first heard Kamala Harris say that Florida is teaching the that slavery benefited African-Americans, my first thought was that's terrible. I mean, that is absolutely terrible. But I have learned from years on the radio, years in news media, to not believe the first thing that you hear, to not believe it until you study it for yourself. And if you're just taking things at face value that you hear come out of a politician's mouth, then you are doing yourself an injustice by not investigating further. Because what Kamala Harris said was a, was a flat-out lie. What Kamala Harris continues to say is a flat-out lie. And the, the complicit news media is doing nothing, absolutely nothing, uh, to put down the, the lie that she is telling. And it is it's – in, as, a, as a resident, as a proud resident of Florida, it's insulting that you're spreading these lies about our state. Because as I said – we have enough issues as it is already. We've got the, you know, the red tide. We, we've got uh, all kinds of issues here in Florida. We've got, you know, polluted waters. We've got polluted lakes. Uh, we've got, you know, some other, ch- we got heat. Oh, my gosh. I don't need to tell the Southwest or the Midwest at this point about heat or even the uh, New England states about heat. But down here in Florida, it has been brutally hot this summer and humid. And, uh, and then, of course, with storms, we're in the middle of hurricane season right now. We don't get to the height of hurricane season until late August, early September. Uh, that's when the really big storms uh, tend to kick in. So we've got to watch that. So we've got issues here in Florida, but I'll be darned if you're going to come to Florida, Kamala Harris, and lie about our educational system, because that is exactly what it is. It is a lie. You can join me here on the Brian Kilmeade Show at 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. You can follow me on social media. Look for at Talk Radio Joe. I'm everywhere, uh, including what once was Twitter. You can now X me, X me at Talk Radio Joe. You'll find me on uh, Facebook at Talk Radio Joe, on Instagram at Talk Radio Joe. 
TikTok, uh, at Talk Radio Joe, pretty much anywhere, at Talk Radio Joe, if you want to give it a follow. And we'll start doing some live video streaming here in short order as well. We're going to continue. Coming up in a moment here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Stay with us. Again, 866-408-7669. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. It's one of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. The government should not be telling her what to do. You look at what's happening as the attack on LGBTQ folks. You look what's happening in book bans. You look at this ridiculous thing that is happening in Florida where they dare to suggest that enslaved people benefited from slavery. We got to pay attention because they actually thought they were going to get away with that. They actually thought they were going to get away with that. Kamala Harris actually thinks she's going to get away with lying about what's happening in the state of Florida. And regrettably, there are plenty of people who will simply listen to statements that she made and think, well, that must be true. That must be gospel. Why? Would a politician lie to us? Because that's what politicians do of all stripes. None of them are honest. They all lie to varying degrees. Uh, and it is just so aggravating, so aggravating. And, you know, when you when you live in a state, you take a little bit of pride in that state that you live in. I've got a lot of pride uh, for the state of Florida. And I think Governor DeSantis has has done an absolutely terrific job uh, as our governor. And and just to give you the, the, the background of where I come from, where my voice comes from, where my thoughts come from. Uh, uh, Donald Trump was not my first choice in the presidential primary, but as Donald Trump won the presidential primary uh, back during, you know, after he came down in the escalator uh, with his uh, with his wife and started his campaign. Uh, But I uh, ultimately voted for Donald Trump twice and uh, I will vote for Donald Trump a third time. Uh, If his name appears at the top of the Republican presidential ballot, though, he would not be my preferred candidate at this point. Uh, I would say my my preferred candidate is Ron DeSantis, but I am horribly disappointed uh, at how Ron DeSantis has been performing on the campaign trail. Uh, He just really doesn't seem to be connecting with people. And uh, that is that is regrettable that he's not connecting with people. Uh, He he does not seem to have a knack for retail politics that is you know getting into the trenches shaking hands and uh and 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 you know just being a easy to get along with guy there is really something to be said about a politician who is likable uh bill clinton was a master at likability uh for the most part barack obama was pretty good at likability uh george uh, w bush was great at likability. I mean, people just generally liked George Bush, his dad. People liked him. Uh, people loved Ronald Reagan. I mean, there, there is a knack to retail politics. And whether we like it or not, you know, I know that the listeners here to the Brian Kilmeade show are, are plugged in to today's politics. I know that listeners of Brian Kilmeade know what's going on in the world today, and they certainly know what's going on in the United States today. They're educated voters. But that is this audience. 
there are other audiences out there that couldn't name the vice president of the United States. There are other people out there that have have no understanding whatsoever of the political process, political parties, or anything else, and yet they will go cast a vote. Oftentimes they will go cast a vote based upon whether or not they like somebody. And while you and I would look at that and say, that is a terrible reason to vote for someone. Just because you like someone doesn't mean that you should cast a vote for that person. And yet that's exactly what happens. And so being likable on the campaign trail, while it seems superficial, it is incredibly important. And it is one of the reasons why Ron DeSantis has been leaning a little bit more heavily on Casey DeSantis, his, his lovely wife. They've got beautiful children. I mean, he, he is an American success story, Ron DeSantis. I mean, he on paper, he is the perfect presidential candidate. He has served in Congress. He served in the military. He served in the JAG Corps. He was an attorney. He worked at Guantanamo Bay. Uh, he has served this nation. Uh, he has served now into his second term as governor. On paper, Ron DeSantis is the perfect candidate. But regrettably, he just doesn't come off as likable. He doesn't come off as as human sometimes. If you've seen him laughing, he comes off uh, awkward at times. But that shouldn't be a reason to not vote for him. 866-408-7669. My name is Joe Kelly, and you are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest-growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade. Such a thrill to be joining you guys here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. You'll find me online at Talk Radio Joe. I'm broadcasting uh, the BK Show from Orlando, Florida, from our flagship station here in Orlando, WDBO. And uh, I know that Brian gets a lot of phone calls from our WDBO listeners. We're always excited about that. Uh, I am the host of The Joe Kelly Show, weekday afternoons, 5 till 7 p.m. here on WDBO. And it is, uh, it is always an honor to be able to fill in for Brian when he is either traveling or on vacation. Uh, in this particular case, it is the latter, not the former. If you're, if you're getting worried, like, where's Brian? I haven't seen Brian in a while. We haven't heard Brian in a while. I get it. I haven't heard him either. Uh, but you'll be glad to know that he is well, and, and uh, his, this is an entirely pre-planned trip. Uh, he is, uh, des- uh, is on some well-deserved time off. Man, that guy works truly harder than anybody I know. Every time I tune into Fox News and I see Brian on TV, I'm like, man, does that guy ever, ever sleep? He is an award-winning broadcaster on radio, an award-winning broadcaster on TV, an award-winning uh, author on the New York Times bestseller list. Brian Kilmeade is... Uh, uh, is truly phenomenal, and uh, it is such a trip and a, an honor to be able to host his show in his uh, in his stead while he is enjoying some time off. I am told he'll be back on Wednesday, uh, so you need not wait too long before you'll be able to hear Brian back here behind his own microphone, and we're excited about that, certainly here at WDBO and at all of his affiliated radio stations around the nation and around the world. Uh, I'm glad to welcome to The Brian Kilmeade Show, Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist. And Michael, thank you for joining me uh, here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. My pleasure, Joe. Thank you. We got a lot to to unpack, and a lot of this deals with, of course, uh, Hunter Biden. And as we go back to last week when his plea deal utterly fell apart, 
Uh, I know that a lot of people were really surprised that that what was a done deal quickly became undone. Well, look, I think that's all to the good because the deal was a dirty deal. And we didn't look going in. I think a lot of us felt this is much too lenient. I mean, the news that he would everything would be treated as a minor uh, violation to misdemeanors for tax fraud. And uh, the, the gun charge would be he would be sent to a diversion program, so wouldn't even be technically uh, a criminal matter. It would be his record would be wiped clean if he behaved for two years. So this was a real outrage to start with. But then in the in the middle of the hearing, thanks to the judge, uh, we, we discover that uh, there was a broad immunity clause tucked into it which would have given Hunter Biden immunity from any crimes he committed already, Um, not going forward, of course. But so when you couple a sweetheart deal involving the crimes that he's being forced to plead guilty to with the fact that he's been given immunity on everything else, you say, wait a minute, this is this is not even close to kosher. There's something seriously wrong here. And I think that uh, Merrick Garland, the attorney general, really hurt himself with this deal. And as I reported uh, in Sunday's column, a deal of this magnitude involving the president's son would have had to have been approved by either Merrick Garland or his top deputy, Lisa Monaco. So he, he cannot walk away from this. Secondly, I was told in very good authority that the FBI never saw the plea agreement before it was submitted to the court. Wow. Now, that's a very unusual set of circumstances. And the person who told me this tells me that the FBI leaders say they would have objected to it. Now, they have not said any of this publicly, but the FBI leaders would have objected to the deal as too lenient. This this is a scandalous situation we have here because the effect of – giving him immunity would have shut down the investigation effectively. And that would mean that Joe Biden would never have to be called into account for his role in these schemes. So this immunity deal was not just about letting Hunter off. It was about protecting the president and making sure that things that have already happened would never become known. Now, is that really the job of the Justice Department to protect uh, people from wrongdoing becoming public? I mean, this is like a like a public relations firm for the Bidens. Uh, This is not what the FBI and the attorney general are supposed to be doing. I mean, these were felonies. These, These tax counts make no mistake about it. These were felonies. And don't forget what the IRS whistleblower said, that they were prevented from doing a thorough investigation in ways that they had never seen in their long history of being IRS investigators. So you add all these things together, Joe, and you have a picture not just of a corrupt prosecutor in Delaware, but you have a corrupt attorney general. You have uh, a system that is geared toward protecting one family. And now, of course, we have to look at the other side, which is the onslaught against Donald Trump. 
I don't know if Donald Trump is guilty, but I do know the Justice Department is guilty of having two standards here. One is all out, you know, no, no stone unturned, no opportunity denied when it comes to Donald Trump. And with the Bidens, it's can't look there. Don't look there. Oh, can't say that. We have to censor that. We can't. You know, the, the, the discrepancy is just mind boggling that this is our Justice Department. I, now, I want to get I want to get I want to kind of drill down a little bit on the two tier justice system in just a second. We're talking to Michael Goodwin, New York Post columnist here on the Brian Kilmeade show. My name is Joe Kelly, but I want to circle back to the immunity, the blanket immunity that Hunter Biden was offered as part of that plea deal. I mean, getting immunity is is in and of itself not terribly unusual. But isn't there a a quid pro quo of sorts for that? Shouldn't uh, in exchange for getting immunity, shouldn't that mean that Hunter Biden would then become a, a witness to two other crimes, two other things? Is that not normal? You're absolutely right. That is the way immunity is generally granted. that You become, in effect, a witness for the government against other people that you are directing them toward other people. So it, to give immunity otherwise makes no sense. And then there was this other curious um, incident in the court, too, where, where the judge, uh, again, she was quite courageous and smart for the way she handled this. She said, you have this effectively, you have this immunity provision here, but does that, is, is the investigation continuing? And the prosecutor said yes. Well, how can you have an immunity agreement if the if the uh, investigation is continuing? Yeah, I mean it, it didn't make sense. And so that's when the defense said, "Well, then there's no agreement because they're right. It, what kind of agreement is it that allows your client to keep being investigated? That that's not immunity." So the whole thing would just seemed like amateur hour, as though they had been caught. And they were trying to cover themselves by saying the investigation continues. And don't forget, when uh, David Weiss, the uh, prosecutor in ha- handling this case in Delaware, when he announced that Joe, uh, Hunter Biden had been pleading guilty uh, to these case- in these cases, he said the investigation continues. So was that a lie? I mean, my my theory, and I'm not alone in this, is that he said that just so he could say to Congress, I can't answer questions about mm. an on, ongoing investigation. Wow. So the whole the whole thing is is wrapped in this bubble of uncertainty, and it's caused more mistrust of the Justice Department. I mean, I have to say that Merrick Garland's tenure has just been a disaster for trusting government. I mean, he just... You know, people, a lot of people don't realize this, but last, in April of 2022, the New York Times wrote a story saying that Joe Joe Biden was telling people in the White House that he was frustrated with Merrick Garland, that Garland was acting too much like a judge, too deliberative, and Biden wanted Donald Trump prosecuted for January 6th. Now, up to that point, he had not been pro- he was not being prosecuted for January 6th. Now he is. Is 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 that what we're witnessing here? The Bidens, who are utterly corrupt, are also calling the shots on the Donald Trump investigation. I mean, this is this is a potential scandal, and I say potential to be fair, but this is an enormous event in American history. 
we're witnessing this happen before us. And it, it's, it's, I have to say, it just shocks me every time I think about the depravity here and how deeply it runs and how crooked they are right in front of us. I mean, openly, uh, as though we can't do anything hmm. about it. I think, I think that's a challenge to the American system. We're talking to New York Post columnist and Fox News contributor Michael Goodwin. And Michael, we had circled back to immunity, but now I want to circle back, if you will. And follow, I appreciate you following me on my chain of logic here. Uh, but I want to go back to what you touched on with the two-tier justice system. I can see it plain as day. You can see it plain as day. How does America not see as plain as day that we have a two-tier justice system in the United States? And whether you like Donald Trump or despise Donald Trump, whether you like Joe Biden or despise Joe Biden, how, how is America putting up with this two-tier justice system? Well, that's a good question. I, I, I would say that, uh, as you say, a, a, a lot of people hate Donald Trump. And so they don't they, they think he's beyond the pale and therefore not worthy of pr- the normal protections that we all get. But I think there's a second answer, too. And uh, to sum it up, it's The New York Times. Um, it is it is the mainstream media's politics and they're flacking for the democrats always it's biden now but before that it was obama before that it was hillary clinton before that it was bill clinton and you know it it goes all the way back uh i mean the new york times you know newspapers do endorsements for political campaign new york times has not endorsed the republicans since dwight eisenhower uh, in 1956. So that's the, and the, and the Washington Post has never endorsed the Republican for president. So that's supposed to be separate, but we see that how this has infected their newsroom coverage now and how the coverage itself is so lopsided. And so that's why a lot of Americans don't understand the severity of what's happening with the Biden investigation. Because they don't get they don't they get their news from these mainstream outlets. Now, I believe one of the reasons I'm somewhat optimistic about the recent events is that last week and that after the courthouse debacle, this was the lead story in the New York Times, the lead story in the front page. So that's the kind of moment and, and everybody else covered. It. And I have to give their their NBC News has been doing a better job of covering this. CBS News has been doing a better job. Forget MSNBC, forget <laughs> CNN. But so there are breakthroughs momentarily. Uh, and I think that my optimism here, Joe, is that there will be more of these. Uh, If the Devin Archer testimony is as advertised, if he tells Congress today that Joe Biden would be on the speakerphone in many of Hunter Biden's meetings with his foreign paymasters, if that turns out to be true and if there's some way to corroborate some of that, that's a big leap forward. Now, how much of that will get to the public you know, my friend Ed Rollins, uh, uh, sort of the dean of the GOP consultant uh, class, talks about how it takes a couple of weeks for what is big news to kind of get through the bloodstream of the American populace. And 
Although the junkies in the media and the political world think things hit automatically and you can test it in a poll tomorrow, it really takes weeks to work its way through to where people hear about it, digest it, maybe hear about it a second time, and then it begins to shape their opinion. That's where I think this testimony is so important, that it, this is not just a made-up thing by people who don't like the Bidens. This is about real corruption. This is about somebody whom I believe, based on Tony Bobolinsky's testimony and, and, and the others, that Joe Biden sold his office. He sold the vice presidency for money influence. Michael, hang on. Hang on right there because I do want to finish this. We're talking to Michael Goodwin, who is a New York Post columnist and a Fox News contributor. I want to drill down a little further on that. And uh, could this mean an impeachment for President Biden? We'll get into that. Coming up next, you can join us at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. By the way, on the off chance, on the off chance you've ever wanted to see what it looks like for someone who's filling in for Brian Kilmeade, just look for the WDBO Facebook page, and we've got a live video there right now. You can see the the, the voice behind the name, the voice behind the, or rather the face, <laughs> the face behind the voice, something like that. You can check it out right now. Just go to uh, facebook.com slash WDBO and you'll be able to see that live video right now. Joining us once again uh, is New York Post columnist and Fox News contributor Michael Goodwin. And Michael, in fact, your latest piece actually touches on impeachment. And and I got to tell you, Michael, in I, I never would have imagined in my lifetime that that I would experience as many impeachment proceedings as as we had. I mean, when Bill Clinton was impeached, I thought, okay, that is that was remarkable. That was history. That was newsmaking. uh, And that'll never happen again in my lifetime. What's happened multiple times since then. uh, And and now as you know, as as people started floating the idea of impeaching Joe Biden, my 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 visceral reaction was, please, not again. I don't want another impeachment in my lifetime. This is not the way we're supposed to be doing presidential politics, just impeaching every president every time. Uh, and it seems like it's become really a political weapon than than a weapon of last resort. But, man, as we look at what Joe Biden is accused of doing, I don't know what else would be appropriate besides impeachment. Well, that certainly looks the way it's heading. Um, you mentioned my column, and I, and I want to flag one thought in there, uh, Joe, that I think is worth some discussion. And that is that <clears throat> given what's happened in the, um, in the court case with Hunter Biden, <clears throat> I think that Merrick Garland has no choice except to appoint a special counsel uh, for this case. Now, the reason of that, of course, it would take it out of Gar- uh, Garland's hands and out of Lisa Monaco's hands, who's a real a real Democratic uh, activist. Um, but I think there's there's another point too. Too, no one trusts Merrick Garland now. No one no one who's got paying attention to this can trust Merrick Garland. So I think he needs an an unusual and maybe unprecedented step here, which is he should go to Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell and say, look. I'm going to appoint a special counsel, but I want your input. 
I want your advice. Do you have a name? Do you have someone whom you would trust for this role and someone that would uh, be trusted by Democrats as well? Sounds like that would be a smart first step. Michael Goodwin from the New York Post, Fox News contributor, joining us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll continue straight ahead here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. I'm Joe Kelly in for Brian Kilmeade uh, at Talk Radio Joe's, where you'll find me on X, formerly known as Twitter, uh, on threads, on Truth Social, on Facebook. It's Talk Radio Joe at Talk Radio Joe, pretty much everywhere you go. That's where you'll find me. I'm, of course, filling in for Brian Kilmeade. BK is going to be back with us here on Wednesday. I know that our WDBO listeners here in Orlando are very excited about that. Uh, I am coming to you from Central Florida uh, here at WDBO Radio in Orlando, home of, of course, the, the Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World, of SeaWorld, of Universal Orlando Resort. Uh, we're just a stone's throw away from the Kennedy Space Center. We had a couple of great, great launches uh, over the weekend. Very excited about that, including launching the biggest communications satellite that has ever been launched uh, on a Falcon Heavy with two boosters uh, that came back and landed back here on land and was quite an amazing sight to see in the middle of the night, uh, made for some some absolutely fantastic pictures. If you ever get a chance, make your way here to Central Florida. You'll absolutely love it. Uh, joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show, I'm very excited to welcome Doug Collins, former uh, congressman and ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, a Republican out of Georgia. Doug Collins, uh, Congressman, thank you for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. No, Joe, I'm glad to be with you. And I, I got to also emphasize, we have a place we go to down in Daytona Beach Shores, and it has been great to go down there and watch the uh, the reinvigorating of our space program. And if you've not had a chance to go, I agree, I'm on I'm on chime in there and saying I, I agree with your remarks because it's pretty cool to watch them go up, and then especially when they come back down and land, it's, it's a whole. It's especially the night ones are pretty brilliant uh, light show. It really is, and there are some great photographers who capture it in uh, in, a, in a single image as the rockets make their way up and then the boosters make their way back down. And and uh, Congressman, since you touched on that and I touched on that, uh, you know, when when the space shuttle system was retired, I think a lot of us thought, oh, there goes Americans in space. And now, honestly, the tempo of launches is far greater than anything that I would have imagined, and I, I have to think might even be far greater than anything that NASA could have imagined. I think so, and I think. But again, also you're you're involving not just the government; you're involving private enterprise. You're involving you know others in this, and I think that's you know something that's often missed as we look at this because there's a lot of ingenuity out there uh, that was away from NASA. And, and again, I, I have to admit, I'm you know 57 years old, be well, 57 almost, and and I'm a child of the space program. I mean, I, I watched uh, you know the the moon rockets. I, I remember them going up. I remember when we you know went back. I remember the space shuttle program getting started. I mean, look, it's it's a part of who we are as an American that's had adventurous spirit. And, and you know, I think that what has happened in, you know, government, you know, NASA and everything getting started and then it be sort of morphing into what we've seen now um, into this private sector uh, move is actually just another step in showing that America is a great innovative country and that we're leading the way in so many of this. No doubt about it. And, and again, for anybody who's never been to the Kennedy Space Center, even if you just come here when there's not a rocket launch, the Kennedy Space Center in and it of is. itself is truly a phenomenal 
uh, facility. It's a great museum. Uh, it'll keep the kids active as well. The adults are going to absolutely love it. Uh, you can meet astronauts and dine with them. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's all around a neat experience. It is definitely that. It's worth going to. And again, I think the great thing about it, and I remember being younger, is it, it open minds is a, is a, you know, a small town kid from North Georgia. It just opened my eyes, again, the experiments, the world, getting out and traveling, getting your kids to see, and you know, even young people to go see things like this. It says, hey, we can do this. And I think that's something that's missing. I know, you know, there's a lot going on in the world today. We see the, the craziness of Hunter Biden. We see the, the Biden administration. We see the presidential. But at the end of the day, America is about the possibilities that we have inside us. And we've got to reignite that flame that should, you know, really bind us all together as the country that has the most hope for the world. We're talking to former Congressman Doug Collins, a ranking member of the U.S. House Judiciary Committee at the time and author of The Clock in the Calendar, a front row look at the Democrats' obsession with Donald Trump. And it's kind of like what I was talking with Michael Goodwin in the last segment about, and that is, uh, you know, love him or hate him when it comes to Donald Trump. Uh, the, the fact that he was impeached as many times as he was uh, was exhausting. And and from from my perspective as a conservative, I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Oh, this is ridiculous. And then as talk starts to bubble up about impeaching Joe Biden, I mean, I was of the mindset of we should not be playing impeachment politics. We should not impeach every damn president we have. Uh, but, boy, it certainly seems as if the evidence is gathering for what would I what I would consider to be a legitimate impeachment this time around. Uh, of Joe Biden. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's there. You've hit it right there. Legitimate impeachment. And and this is, you know, where you have issues, not just because you don't like him. Look, I sat in the chair uh, on the first impeachment of Donald Trump. I was the ranking member uh, with Jerry Nadler when they were just so desperate to bring him up. That's what I wrote the book about. And, you know, and, and it was really very obvious. They had been trying everything they could since they took over in that first year to say, we're going to get Donald Trump. We don't want to see him reelected. We're going to do everything we can to stop him. And, and really, they didn't care about legislating. They didn't care about anything else. They f- cared about finding. It. And they found this phone call because of somebody who didn't like what was said. And they rushed to judgment. They'd already seen the Judiciary Committee sort of botch the Mueller investigation, in their opinion, and others. And so they found this, turned it over to uh, you know Adam Schiff, who went into the Star Chamber basement and began uh, you know closed hearings, building up a, a a charge that was non-existent, and then bringing it out for really three days of you know if you count even the floor debate, uh, barely any hearings on this from the Judiciary Committee. And that is why people are very frustrated with this, but. Again, when you have presidents or you have others who actually seemingly have real criminal activities here, putting them in possible jeopardy uh, at their office that they serve, that's what it's for. And, you know, again, though, people have now begun to associate it so much with political uh, aims that, you know, you have sort of like half the country believe one thing, half the country believe another. And that's why if the Republicans do go through with this. It has to be done the proper way. They have to go through the formal impeachment process. They need to have multiple, multiple hearings, bringing in multiple witnesses, letting the Democrats ask questions, letting everybody and do this out. Because if they're going to do this and we're restore trust in this, it's got to happen the right way. But, you know, so many people so casually pay attention to what's going on in Washington, D.C. They they everybody's in their own little silos. And if if they see that the Republicans are are targeting Joe Biden for impeachment, uh, they're going to just think, a lot of them will, that th- this is just the GOP looking for their pound of flesh for what they did to Donald Trump. Yeah, and, 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 and again, that's, you're not going to change their mind. 
But again, in that situation, because you go back to, I mean, I remember in, you know, a few years ago that when the first impeachment of Donald Trump, there was a lot of discussion among Republicans. This was payback for, for Bill Clinton. Right. And, you know, and again, it does come. But, you know, it's interesting if, if historically and we lose so much in our historical basis here, the, the history of the impeachment in our founding fathers, they were concerned about this very thing. And for almost 200 years, we avoided it. And now it has seemed like since Bill Clinton and since the polarization of so many things going on that we have lowered the bar for impeachment so far that every president since Bill Clinton, there's been at least some either discussion or actual documents filed to impeach the president. Now, we're, we're talking to Doug Collins, former congressman and congressman. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is the potential for a Georgia indictment. We just got breaking news in a moment ago. As uh, in a nine-page ruling, Fulton County Superior Court Judge Robert McBurney says it's simply too soon for Trump or his allies to seek to prohibit Georgia prosecutors from continuing to investigate him, in large part because he hasn't been indicted yet. Of course, that could change soon. Yeah, it is. And, and this again, this is actually the, the judge who has actually been over the case the whole time. Didn't really surprise anybody. There is actually another, uh, I think, actual appeal from the Trump uh, folks to a different set of judges in which McBurney is actually part of the, the loss, uh, this, the suit as well. So it's, again, this is going to be a fight. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, if I'm reading uh, comments today that um, Fonnie Willis is, is reaffirming the fact that something's going to happen here in the next few weeks. Uh, in Georgia. And, you know, again, it'll just, uh, again, be piled on top of it. And she's been doing this for almost two years. Been very quiet. She, the, her investigation is probably the one that has been, um, you know, off the radar as far as the national headlines more than any. Uh, again, we're talking to former Congressman Doug Collins. And here in Florida, of course, we talked about the space, uh, our space missions. But, uh, of course, our governor is running for president. He's not spending a whole lot of time in Florida these days. Uh, but he sure doesn't seem to be getting any kind of traction. In fact, if anything, he's slipping. Yeah, it does feel that way. I mean, and again, at a certain point in time, and I know they're having the reset of the reset of the reset here recently. And look, I, I served with, with uh, your now Governor DeSantis. I served with Ron when he was in the Congress. Um, and he's a solid, you know, conservative. He's some, you know, he's done some good things in Florida, especially during the pandemic. But I think right now that the, the presidential elections are about what people perceive is best for a country. They perceive as somebody who would, uh, you know, have that fight. And they've spent a lot of money, millions of dollars, and that number hasn't really moved. And, you know, again, it's becoming more and more, you know, looking like even these indictments are not going to move that number. And I think it's it's what I've heard from a lot of people is they like what he's done, but it's just they, there's not that it factor there right now. Now, could that change? Sure. But again, it seems also like a lot of the other uh, opponents are actually waiting to see what happens to Donald Trump and hoping that something happens there and then the actual campaign goes in. But Donald Trump's not going anywhere. And we'll just see how it all flows out. I think it's, you know, again, people are going to have a chance to vote. Right now they're saying, look, uh, we want to go back to Donald Trump. You know, I firmly believe that Joe Biden did not win the presidential election. And by that, I don't mean that there was cheating. Uh, I believe that Donald Trump lost the presidential election. I think more people voted for Joe Biden because they hated Donald Trump uh, than than voted for Donald Trump because they love Donald Trump. So I, I really think it was Trump who blew uh, his own election. And, and as we get ready for a, a potential new administration, I know that there's a lot of us conservatives at this point. We don't care who the candidate is. As long as that candidate is able to beat Joe Biden. 
And it, it blows my mind that we're at a place where we've got a sitting president that has such cognitive decline that we're still trying to figure out whether or not we Republicans, we conservatives can beat this guy. Yeah, but I just remind every, you know the listeners is uh, look at Pennsylvania. They elected Fetterman, who barely, uh, and I mean this not disrespectfully. I try not to be, but could not put together a sentence for most of the uh, of the campaign. And you know this is things that we've got to deal with. Republicans have got to get back to doing things that Democrats do, and that is actually engaging voters, early voting, getting the stuff in, getting the the people engaged, making sure that we're going to areas that we don't think are quote Republican, and getting as many votes as we possibly can. I'm tired of Republicans and conservatives who actually write off areas, cities, and suburbs. I'm tired of it. We've got to actually get in there and engage because we've shown we can win. You, we got Glenn Youngkin. We've shown these. We've we flip seats in which we have in Congress that are Democrat held seats. That voted for Biden. Again, the problem here is, though, is and I want to go back and just do one thing on, you know, President Trump. And right now, I believe both would, you know, whoever the Republicans can beat uh, Joe Biden. He's got enough problems. And that's why the Democrats are, are just terrified right now of all this Hunter Biden stuff. But remember, for three and a half years, including an impeachment, all the American media, main media, mainstream media and the whole Congress, when they took over in 2019, the Democrats did nothing but simply uh, beat down and present a narrative that Donald Trump was bad. And and it's never happened before in our uh, history of our country. And, you know, in the, the election, you know, came down to that. I also remember, though, uh, the sort of the flip switch here is most uh, Democrats didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton in 2016 when Donald Trump won. We've got to find a way to bridge these gaps with voters who are very who are becoming more and more concerned that the government doesn't have any interest in their making their life better and simply wants to perpetuate itself. Here we go. Far too many people voting against someone rather than voting yeah. for <laughs> someone. Uh, former Congressman Doug Collins, our guest here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Congressman, thank you so much. Uh, great analysis here today for Brian's listeners. We sure appreciate you. It's good to be with you. Take care. You got it. My name is Joe Kelly. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. The new CDC director is pushing for an annual COVID shot. Uh, like a flu shot, right? Will you be rolling up your sleeve for an annual COVID shot based upon what you know now or what you think you might know now? Because <laughs> it's still sometimes tough to get a bead on what is accurate and true and, and what is uh, utter garbage. Uh, but will you be rolling up your sleeve for an annual COVID shot just like an annual flu shot? Or do you not even get the flu shot either? 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly, and we will continue straight ahead here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian is going to be back here on Wednesday. We're all very excited about that. My name is Joe Kelly at Talk Radio Joe, coming to you from the Florida Freedom Zone in Orlando, where today it is going to be sunny and hot with storms later this afternoon. People out at Disney are going to be sweating today because it is going to be really, really hot. Democrat President Biden's newly appointed director for the CDC says that she expects Americans to get the annual COVID shot. Dr. Mandy Cohen is pushing for the mRNA COVID injections to become annual inoculations like the flu shot. She, no surprise to anybody, is a Democrat. She expects big pharma companies to produce new COVID boosters by the fall. 
Uh, will you be rolling up your sleeve to take this shot annually as as she wants you to? I got to tell you, if there's anything we learned during the COVID process, it is to not trust the government on information that they give us. And I feel like uh, while I am a routine participant in the flu shot, I I don't see me getting an annual uh, COVID shot. Uh, Of course, mileage may vary. And uh, and, you know, what you guys end up deciding to do is entirely up to you. But will you be rolling up your sleeve to get a covid shot? I would love to know. Uh, Let's go to Bill, who's checking in from Hastings, Florida. You're on the Brian Kilmeade show with Joe Kelly. Hi, Bill. Hi. Um, It seems to me that we have a choice between crooks on both sides. We can either choose um, we can either choose Biden. Or we could choose Trump, uh, which is the most dangerous crook, is our choice. And uh, to me, I think Trump is more dangerous because the documents that he took and brought to Miralago and kept there and tried to hide were basically his plans for an attack on Iran, which is a sovereign nation that would have plunged our country into war if he were able to do so. So well, I think you, you understand, but, than, but you understand, uh, Bill, that the that the Pentagon works up attack plans for every nation on the planet. I'm sure the Pentagon has an invasion plan for Canada. I mean, they, they that this is what they do, especially when they're not at war, is they simulate wars and they strategize wars. I don't think it's uh, unusual or unique that there is a plan to invade Iran. Right, but the one uh, the one for Iran is the one that he took to Miralaga, which means that's the one that he was actually planning on doing something with. The rest of them were all theoretical things that could be done in different what, scenarios. What do you think he was planning to do as a former president with a plan to invade Iran? Well, it seems to me that he's totally beholden to Israel and the Zionist lobby and will do whatever Benjamin Netanyahu tells him to do when it comes to Iran. All right. Uh, Thank you so much, Bill. I appreciate that. My name is Joe Kelly. I'm filling in for Brian Kilmeade. BK is going to be back here with us on Wednesday. I'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Uh, And, uh, of course, the Brian Kilmeade Show, you can catch that weekdays. Uh, My show, The Joe Kelly Show, is uh, weekday afternoons from 5 till 7 p.m. here on WDBO in Orlando, Florida. We will continue. Coming up, stay with us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, my name is Joe Kelly. In for Brian Kilmeade. One more day and then one more day tomorrow. And then Brian is going to be back with us here on Wednesday. If you have been wondering where Brian is or if you've been worried about him, don't. Don't be worried about him. He's doing great. Uh, He is on some incredibly well-deserved time off. Uh, I don't think I need to tell you, fans of Brian Kilmeade, how busy that guy is. 
uh, pretty much every single day of the week. I don't think there is a harder working man in in our industry than Brian Kilmeade. And it shows in, frankly, in his performance, both on the air, on TV, in literature. Uh, the guy is great at pretty much everything he, he touches. And it is awesome. But, of course, with a team like Allison, Pete, and Eric, uh, it certainly is easier hosting this show uh, in Brian's absence. So big thanks to them. If I forget to do so at the end of the show, uh, let me do it here at the beginning of this hour. Allison, Pete, and Eric, you guys are amazing. What a great team of pros that, that Brian has assembled uh, to help him each and every day. I'm broadcasting here from Orlando. WDBO is, is uh, Brian's flagship station in the Orlando market. I know Brian gets a lot of phone calls uh, from our listeners, and we're very, very grateful for that. I always get excited every time I hear Brian say, all right, let's go to WDBO, let's go to Orlando, and I always know that's us. Uh, and I, I love when our listeners participate in Brian's talk show and that we carry the whole thing live. It's fantastic. Find out more about Brian Kilmeade. You can go to briankilmeadeshow.com. Uh, our call-in number is 866-408-7669. And I am really excited. We've had some really good guests today, but I'm really, really excited. I've been excited about all of this. I don't want to – I don't want to – I don't want to judge people inappropriately, but Brian Rotella is joining us. That name may not ring a bell with you, but the subject matter we're going to be talking on is so very important. Brian is an attorney. He's a the founder, CEO, and senior partner of Genco Legal. Uh, Brian, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Joe, thank you very much. And and we were, we're going to talk about something that I think is – um, frankly, being kind of underreported, if if that's at all possible, but that is the development of artificial intelligence. And it seems as if one day we didn't have it, and then the next day it was perfected. I mean, when the chat GPT went online, it just seemed like that was a benchmark point in human history in which AI – I don't want to say he became self-aware because that's not that's not the case. But when AI came of age, yeah, Joe, I agree. And uh, I, one of the things I'm here to talk about is not many people reported this last week. Cigna got sued by a couple folks out in California, and I'm calling that the first shots in what I consider to be like the Lex, uh, Lexington and Concord of what I call the new dawn of AI malpractice. And what I mean by that, Joe, is that what we are starting to see is, and, and I know you're in Florida like I am, is I can see in the very near future with artificial intelligence, if we don't get this right, there's going to be billboards that say hurt by a chatbot instead of hurt in an accident. Wow. And 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 these are cases that, that I mean, is are there legal teams ready for the artificial intelligence litigation? We are. Uh, my team is. But beyond that, what I, the reason I'm bringing this up in this way is why I call it the, the dawn of AI malpractice is this. We are at this major intersection, as you said, of, of this. Quite frankly, there's been just use healthcare. I've been in healthcare as a lawyer for 23 years, everywhere from the courtroom to the boardroom to the war room. Joe, this is changes like we haven't seen since the invention of penicillin. When people used to die from like strep throat before AI, AI is at this uh, intersection of disruption and opportunism that we have never seen before in this industry. I mean, I know for a fact that AI is going to be able to and is currently able to diagnose things like the very, very beginning signs of tumors 
way before a biopsy or a CT scan ever could. It's literally going to take notes for doctors and is doing that right now so they can actually imagine a doctor having a conversation with you and not dialing up and, and on their laptop for the entire time. This is the massive disruption that it's doing in a good way. But as we saw, and the irony of this is Cigna got sued last week, and it actually wasn't AI. It was basically a true-false type of program that they had that, for what they're alleging, was like kind of low-level tests, like if you had a vitamin D deficiency. Basically, this, according to the allocations, they would go through like 300,000 of these claims from folks trying to get their insurance covered for their care, and it would deny like 300,000 of these claims, and it would do it in 1.2 seconds. So what does that mean, Joe? Well, yeah, I had a friend tell me recently, you know, if we convert all over to automated cars with artificial intelligence, currently there's about 42,000 people that tragically die in car accidents every year. Well, what if artificial intelligence takes it down to 5,000? Right now, Joe, does, you, does your audience and you think that we're going to be talking about the 35,000 lives it saved or the 5,000 lives that died? Right now, I believe we're focused on the 5,000 lives that died because we have not yet built, to answer your question, while we're ready, we haven't built the confidence in the public because this is moving so fast that humans are still actively involved in the artificial intelligence and putting their human side, our human side, into things like should your health care be denied or not be denied. I don't know that we're ready for R2-D2 to be deciding whether we get an ultrasound. Great Star Wars reference. Um, to, to use your example about cars and AI-driven cars, I mean, a car, an AI-driven car will have to be programmed as to who gets a priority when it comes to life or death. If a, if a car is approaching an intersection at, at full speed and there's uh, the car detects that, that there's nobody there, there's nobody in the way, and then suddenly... You know, some school children all holding hands walk out into the intersection. Your your car is going to have to decide, do I plow through the children or do I suddenly veer off to the right where I most certainly am going to kill the driver of the car? That's absolutely right, Joe. And who is making those? It's garbage in, garbage out. That's what you hear a lot right now about things like chat GPT. And for your audience, what this is, is generative AI and a lot of folks may not, not yet be using it, it's basically learning from what we call prompts, questions that you ask it, and it's going through in, in milliseconds all of Imagine the Internet to come up with words that predict what would be the right answers. So in your example, the AI is learning to predict in milliseconds what's the right answer. Does it sadly plow over the folks that, that you were talking about, or is it turned into the left because there's a less, lesser risk of hurting the driver and the other people. That's the auto example. Taking it more to what is happening right now and consider it in healthcare is do we feel comfortable that AI is at a point that it can make a determination on looking at records and predicting based on the records that you may have if somebody who might be suspected of, let's say, ovarian cancer should get a CT scan? Do we feel comfortable that it's at that level? Now, I've seen technology that says that it is, but here's the issue. I don't think the public is ready for that yet, so we need to have a human component. And here's really where I come in and lawyers come in, Joe, is the laws right now are the equivalent of the laws we had when we went over to automobiles and we were still dealing with stagecoaches. 
The mm. laws have not in any way caught up with this whole idea of what is your override switch? What is, to use your analogy, what is the human that's still there to help both on the front end of the programming or the prompting of the AI and also of ultimately on the back end determining did the AI make the right judgment? Those laws have literally not been created, but AI is right now doing something probably for everybody in this audience, and they may not know it. We're talking to attorney Brian Rotella. And Brian, I'm, a, I'm an FAA-licensed drone pilot, and I know that, that the drone technology is advancing faster than lawmakers can regulate it. And I, I am absolutely certain the same is happening right now with artificial intelligence. Uh, this toothpaste, though, is out of the tube. I mean, I don't see a way to put it back. That's absolutely right. There's not a way to put it back. And what concerns me is, and I've been, uh, you had obviously a, uh, a great show and, and um, doing a wonderful job for Brian. And, and I really like your show over in Orlando, Judges, so you know, because I'm in Tampa down the, the I-4 corridor. But I hear a ton about Hunter Biden and a ton about uh, what's going on with the different Trump lawsuits, which are important issues. But in November of 2024, Every politician that's in any type of campaign right now should be talking about what we're talking about, which is the toothpaste is out of the tube. We should be having emergency hearings right now, and I know they've had some, but talking about how do we regulate what I call the override switch on artificial intelligence, building the trust, using my Star Wars analogy again, that R2-D2 is not flying the ship by itself, that there still is a Luke Skywalker. Until we get the public that confidence, my concern is that using my analogy from earlier, we're going to be focusing on the 5,000 deaths or like this lawsuit. We're going to be focusing on the insurance denials and not all of the positive things because we have not educated the public and we have not built the laws that need to be built to protect people. Brian, I was watching a, a documentary over the weekend. I think it was on Netflix, and it was about artificial intelligence. And there was a group of scientists who, uh, like you, like you represent, uh, like like you've been talking about, this was healthcare, and these scientists were working with the artificial intelligence, uh, giving it commands so that it could come up with all kinds of new uh, drugs to to help people with a variety of diseases. And it was really astonishing how quickly. Artificial intelligence versus, you know, old laboratory work of, of, you know, trying to create medicines, but artificial intelligence was able to create cures and treatments so much faster than humans could before. But then one of the scientists said, you know, we ought to look at this and see what the other side of it is, whether or not we can create biological weapons, chemical weapons. And so they, they changed the prompts. They added to it to to create biological and chemical weapons, and then they left the office for the night, and they came back the next morning, and there were literally like 10,000 different prescriptions, if you will, of chemical and biological weapons that have never been seen before. I mean, they were able to artificially create them in, in you know just in a computer. Uh, and and they presented their findings. They at first decided that they were to keep it quiet and not let anybody know about their findings, lest anybody be inspired by it. But then they decided, and I think this was a good thing, to go public with it, get it published in a in a, a, a medical journal, so that everybody can see that there are real 
dangers involved in artificial intelligence? Joe, it's a great example, and and there's a popular movie out right now, Oppenheimer, that talks about, obviously, real history. And what happened there, as we all know, is we had the Manhattan Project, and we had to do that because of war and life and death interests. But basically, they created the atom bomb and then worried about it afterwards. And I think that it's not to try to be overly dramatic, but are we doing the same thing here? And the movie describes well how the the um, overseer of it in Oppenheimer actually had regrets afterwards. And there's a great scene in the film with, whether it's fictional or not, of Oppenheimer talking to Einstein about what you were just saying. Should we be sharing the findings of this potentially could destroy the world with, in that case, the Germans and the other countries that we were at war with? so that we can all realize what could be the dramatic negative effects of this. And, right and, now, that's ahead. needed. Well, I was going to say right now, in the artificial intelligence community, the more open dialogue across all countries and the more education that we're giving to the public about both all of the positives and what you were saying at the beginning of this is absolutely true. I have seen it. I do believe it is going to change cancer as we know it. And with a mom who's a survivor of ovarian cancer, it's very personal to me. But on the flip side of it, I also see the potential that without the human override switch, without us getting laws updated in real time, I mean in 2023 and 2024, what you just described could be happening. And and Lord knows what we would be saying as we get to an election in 2028, what the real concerns would be then. We're going to continue this conversation with Brian Rotella coming up straight ahead. So stay with us here. Uh, as and, and Brian touched on the development of the atomic bomb, and, and this is – uh, akin, maybe not as big as that. I would disagree and say it's bigger than the development of the atomic bomb because I, I think the world knows uh, at this point, don't use the atomic bomb, uh, but we're at a point where everybody can and is and will be using artificial intelligence. Uh, so we're going to continue that discussion as as AI expands into our military uh, and so much more. So stay with us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. The number is 866-408-7669. Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Talking to Brian Rotella. Uh, He is an attorney out of uh, Florida. Uh, I am not an attorney, but I am out of Florida. Uh, Brian Rotella is the founder and CEO and senior partner of Genco Legal. Uh, and just a side note here, hashtag fun fact. I trust, Brian, you know that your last name, your surname is the name of a seashell? I do. I, I do. And, and also an oil company. Well, that's right. So Shell, Shell Oil names all of their oil products after seashells. And there's a heavy oil called Shell Rotella. And and uh, and the, all the rest of their products are named after seashells. So you also are named after a seashell. So how about that? You know, there's Rotelli pasta, too, so I'll take it. Okay, very good. Now, I want to go back to we're talking about artificial intelligence. And I want to go back to this documentary that I was watching over the weekend on Netflix. And they brought in a human fighter pilot, uh, Air Force. Uh, He had gone through the Air Force equivalent of Top Gun. He had been uh, active duty pilot F-18 for 25 years. I mean, it's safe to say he is probably one of the best, and he, he's served hundreds of combat missions, probably one of the absolute best human pilots in existence. But they put him up against AI pilots in 
a simulation and he lost every single dogfight with artificial intelligence. Well, uh, Joe, I'm going to take the analogy back to healthcare. I apologize, but it's where I spend you know so much of my time. But it's relevant. The same things happened with radiologists. They've been doing tests where AI is outperforming radiologists to the tune of 90, 95 percent. But it gets back to the question that we're asking. Is an artificial intelligence generative and its learning model that's learning through predicting, are we comfortable that artificial intelligence can determine do we have the beginnings of cancer or we don't? From what I've seen, I feel very comfortable with it. But has the public been educated to that point to where they feel comfortable with it? And there's a separate issue that you just brought up that I brought up before and I've had the benefit of being on in media talking about, which is think of the displacement you just talked about. And you said that you're an FAA um, licensed um, with, with drones. My industry is being massively displaced yeah. right now because of artificial intelligence. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of lawyer jokes out there and quite frankly warranted that that's probably a good thing. And maybe it is. But think about the other industries and getting back to healthcare. How many people work at insurance companies where they may not be needed anymore? Those are people with good paying jobs. And why are we not talking about that in this primary election cycle? Yeah. There is a potential of a massive unemployment coming because of a type of displacement we haven't seen since the dawn of the Industrial Revolution. And no one's talking about it. Brian, we are, and it's a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your time. I know that Brian's listeners really appreciate the information that you're sharing. I'm Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, if you want to see the behind the scenes of what it looks like to uh, to guest host the Brian Kilmeade Show, uh, just go to Facebook and look for the WDBO page. Just search WDBO, and we are live streaming video there so you can see the behind the scenes. Uh, you'll notice that, that Brian has a face for television. I have a face for radio. Uh, but you can check that out for yourself. Your mileage may vary there as you see the video on the WDBO Facebook page. I'm here in Orlando, Florida, in the Florida Freedom Zone. I, I've got a story to share with you that is a cautionary tale on a variety of levels. Uh, as a, a transgender, a biological male transgender in Canada is fighting for his right to be euthanized after undergoing what, what he describes as a botched sex change surgery for which he deeply regrets. 35-year-old Lois Cardinal is an indigenous Canadian and, and locked in a bitter battle with Canada's healthcare system after it was denied a request for euthanasia. Cardinal had announced in January that he had applied to be euthanized after the irreversible surgery backfired. Now, they never explain exactly what they mean by backfired. Backfired as in it doesn't look the way you hoped it would look. Backfired in that it didn't actually make you a woman. Uh, so I'm, I'm unclear as to exactly what that is. But Canada has, has a law they call MAID, which is medical assistance in dying. And it, it is remarkably broad. It is remarkably liberal in the reasons they allow for assisted suicide in Canada. Honestly, it's heartbreaking. The medical assistance in dying law allows people to apply for assisted suicide for a number of reasons, including 
being poor, shame on Canada for be willing to kill people because they're poor. Canada will also kill you if you're homeless, if you're depressed, or suffering from minor health issues. Minor health issues? This is appalling Canada's medical assistance in dying law. To think that you're going to allow someone to die because they're poor, homeless, depressed, or suffering from minor health issues. After his male-to-female surgery again backfired, Cardinal submitted his application to begin the process of applying for euthanasia. He applied for the procedure after years of mental and physical anguish following so-called gender transition surgery. He cites ongoing and severe pain from a complication related to converting male anatomy into female anatomy. He says, in 2009, I was rushed into having sex reassignment surgery before I was ready, resulting in immediate regret and sterilization. So this is a cautionary tale on on two fronts. One, if you have gender reassignment surgery, there's no going back. You can't go back. You can try. You can stop taking the drugs and you can try to have surgery that's going to add something that was taken away or to take away something that was added. But you can't change it back. And you may have deep, deep regrets about it. And I, I, I feel sorry for this person. I'm sad that, that they think that – I'm sad that they thought that they were a woman, and I'm sad that they think that their only option now is to, is, is to die. And I, I hope that people, as they're pondering sex change surgery, at least get proper counseling so they understand what they're getting into. 866-408-7669 is the number. You can join me now at 866-408-7669. Uh, you can get more details about the uh, the uh, phenomenal Brian Kilmeade Show. Just go to briankilmeadeshow.com. New York is going to ban single-use plastic silverware beginning today. If you live in New York City, you won't be able to receive plasticware unless you make it a point to ask for it. New York passed what they call a skip-the-stuff law earlier this year that bans restaurants, third-party food delivery services, and courier services from providing eating utensils, napkins, condiment packets, you can't get ketchup, and extra food and beverage containers to customers for their takeout and delivery options unless it is specifically requested. Because, yes, you eating Chinese food with a fork or plastic or even... Well, I guess it would be plastic chopsticks is causing more damage to the environment than, say, China and India are. It's just asinine that they've got this skip the stuff law. I, I would ask for all the stuff, even if I didn't need it, just just to prove a point. Eight four four five eight zero. Check that eight six six. I was going to give uh, our local radio station number eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Let's go to Roger. who's checking in from Daytona Beach, where it is uh, hot and sunny out there today. Hey, Roger, you're on the Brian Kilmeade show. 
Well, Joe, you're an amazing host, and even with your face for radio, you're a great educator. Didn't know you were an entomologist, you know, with the meaning of rotella. Um, but I'm calling about um, being 100% in agreement with you with our great governor. We would love to vote for him again a third time like the, they do in New York, even though we're for term limits. But he's such a great governor. We honor his military service. He was our congressman up here in, yeah. in Daytona Beach. So we, we know him really well. We voted for him twice. We have um, uh, signed books from him, from his first book. I mean, he feels it. He's an American patriot. But he needs to get out. Glenn Youngkin, uh, the Virginia governor, <laughs> is the man who can do it. He Wait, has hang on. that so, retail so, touch with, with, so, uh, so Roger, with you, people you, on the ground. You gave us this long list of all these great things about Governor DeSantis and then said he needs to get out. Does that is that not contradictory? No, sir. No, he he we we love him as a governor. Yeah. But the problem is he's never going to be able to get this nomination. I mean, you look at our own congressman, Michael Waltz, who succeeded him in this seat here, Congressional uh, District six. Um. He, he is not supporting Ron DeSantis. And and the thing is, if we have to win this election. And oh, if yes. he can't win his own state. You know, Susie Wiles was his manager who turned his his uh, campaign for governor around. She got Rick Scott elected. She got um, uh, Jeb Bush elected uh, as governor. She's an incredible campaign manager. But he's in a feud. DeSantis is in a feud with Susie Wiles. I mean, how's that going to work? Well, so, so, so you mentioned I, you mentioned Glenn Youngkin. How does Donald Trump fit into this scenario for you? Well, the thing is this. He's, he can't win against Biden. I mean, that's that's very, very clear to anybody who can rub, rub two nerve cells together. Um, and and the left is is trying to push him to get nominated and then take him out in the general. Glenn Youngkin brings the 10 electoral votes from Virginia. And what he's doing now to, to uh, do on-the-ground ballot verification and getting the, the Senate back in GOP hands in November as still an outsider. I mean, he's a businessman who created jobs. He's great for education. And he's a moderate that can connect with people. I mean, our, our great Governor Ron DeSantis, you're absolutely right. He just can't connect. I mean, he would be great as a Supreme Court justice. Mm. In fact, we, we've told a lot of people, we said, uh, we wish that he would get nominated and sit on the Supreme Court someday. He would be a tremendous Supreme Court justice, but sure. he is not a retail politician. He is not. And no, you know, and he's not going to be able to succeed. And Glenn Youngkin, I mean, we voted twice for Trump, but we're not going to vote again. I mean, Trump, Trump cannot win against biden there you know what's, what's no way what, what's so that interesting you can put the mass together and uh, roger I, Young- I completely agree with you on that i don't think trump is going to be able to beat biden uh but you know how foreign that sounds to trump supporters i mean trump supporters right now are, are throwing things at the radio by you and i both saying that well we voted for trump yeah of course we did we voted for trump twice even yes, though he did. lost he lost in 2018 he lost in 2020 he lost again in 2022 and our own only slim path to victory here is to get Glenn Youngkin to take over the, the, the pole position here. I, I speak in NASCAR talk. Okay, we still put <laughs> gas in our cars. Put well, in, in, in Daytona Beach, I'm sure you do. 
Yeah, we like driving our own cars yes. and our own trucks. Yeah, not robots. We don't want robots driving. But the thing is, um, Glenn Youngkin can uh, – I, I bet they are very afraid of Glenn Youngkin. They will pull Biden and put in Newsom. And the only person who can beat Newsom is Glenn Youngkin. And Glenn Youngkin, together with uh, a running mate that's going to – maybe Glenn Youngkin RFK. You never know. That that could be the combination that, that gets a landslide. Strange bedfellows, man. Strange bedfellows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And Thanks, I'm Roger. now a regular listener of, of, of Joe, Joe Kelly on WDBO 5 to 7. Thanks, on- buddy. I, I sure appreciate that. Thank you, Roger, very much. My name is Joe Kelly. In for Brian Kilmeade. The number is 866-408-7669. You can get more details about Brian's radio show, about his television uh, show, about his uh, literary show, uh, a, a New York Times bestseller. Uh, just go to briankilmeadeshow.com. We will continue the Brian Kilmeade Show with me, Joe Kelly, coming up straight ahead. Stay with us. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, I'm Joe Kelly, and for Brian Kilmeade uh, today, Brian is going to be back with us here on Wednesday. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Uh, this is going to seem very deja vu-esque, as the Biden administration's ban on incandescent light bulbs goes into effect tomorrow. Now, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, I thought we already banned incandescent light bulbs. We did. We, we banned incandescent light bulbs during the Bush, uh, George W. Bush administration, uh, uh, it was implemented under the Obama administration, and it was canceled under the Trump administration. So incandescent bulbs suddenly flooded back into Home Depot and Lowe's and Ace True Value and all the other hardware stores. Well, now we're going to go back. We're going to go back to not having incandescent bulbs. So if you want to buy incandescent bulbs, if you love incandescent bulbs – then you better get out and go buy them today because tomorrow it is going to be illegal and theoretically they won't be on store shelves by tomorrow. So today is the day. Go out and buy 10,000 incandescent light bulbs, set up shop on eBay. Nope, you can't do that because it's still going to be illegal to sell them. But it is legal to own them. It is legal to have them. It is legal to use them, but it will not be legal to sell them. Let's go to Lorenza. Checking in from Iowa. Hi, Lorenza. You're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? Uh, Good. How about yourself? Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, so I would like to comment on the 2024 election. Um, I am not the biggest fan. I mean, I do think the former president was kind of a bad sport but you know the difference is he's aggressive he he knows what he wants but DeSantis is just trying to play it cool trying to be nice I do think kindness is important but when you're on the campaign trail you got to show an equal balance of kindness and aggression that's a really good point Lorenza the the kindness part because Ron DeSantis seems very quick to snap uh at uh, certainly at the media, which I, I don't know if he's taken a cue from Donald Trump on that, because Donald Trump loves to snap at the media as well. Uh, but but Ron DeSantis uh, tends to lash out at people. And uh, and then when he's not lashing out at people, he's got this goofy laugh thing that he does. 
And and again, I know these are superficial issues, but a lot of people cast their votes based upon superficial issues. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, you can't just lash out at people like right away. And like you got to show you got to be kind to your audience, but you also got to show that you're not going to let small little things happen like conflict overseas and whatnot. I'm sorry, was there more to that sentence? No. Okay. All right. All right. Lorenza, thank you so much. I'm so glad you called. Let's go to Virginia. John is on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hey, John, how are you? Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I wanted to comment. Um, you were talking about the individual who is having a horrible time because he had what he's calling a botched transsexual surgery. Right. And I just wanted to point out that apparently Canada is going to help you die or they're going to supply the things and the technicians to kill you for mental health or you're sad or you're poor or you're homeless. Yep. And you would think he would have a a better case if he's having actual physical pain yeah, and, and great mental pain. But however, the reason I think they're not giving it to him is they're all in on the, the whole, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, the theories behind the transsexuals, you know, the men being women and the men competing in women's sports. Boy. If they were to give this guy what he wanted, it would sort of, it would put them on the back foot because they want to support it 100% as if it's actually something that can happen, as if you can become a woman just because you have a surgery. If they were to do that to this guy, it actually it, it defeats their argument. So John, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm frustrated with you because I wish I had thought of that. You are so right about that. If they if they euthanize this this poor person who is suffering pain daily, uh, who deeply regrets the trans surgery, if they were to actually euthanize this person, you're absolutely right. It would be saying that sex change operations are bad and you should not be doing this. Yeah, that's, that's why I think they'd let the man suffer then give him what he wants for that one reason only. And it just, I hope we don't go down that path, but more and more every day it seems like people are willing to go to those extremes, you know? You know, and, and uh, I'm I'm leaving out a lot of this story because a lot of it is so graphic in nature that I don't want to do that uh to Brian Kilmeade. I don't wanna I don't wanna go that graphic on Brian's show. Uh but but in the description of, of what this person, this biological male had done uh in this surgery, I mean, it's horrifying. It is absolutely horrifying. And to think that and, – and given that the pain that this person suffers, I – Canada is so liberal in their list of reasons why they're willing to euthanize someone that you're spot on on this in that how this person's pain does not qualify, but if you're poor – you qualify. I, I mean, I just can't even imagine that any nation anywhere thinks it's remotely acceptable to euthanize someone because they're poor or homeless. That's terrible. That is a shame on Canada for euthanizing people who are poor or homeless. And, and then, look, I, I'm not in favor of youth, euthanasia really in any way, shape or form. 
and I'm someone who comes from a history of, of having cancer and uh, other illnesses, and I, 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 I'm appalled at the prospect of euthanasia. But if they're going to do it for someone who's homeless, how would they not do it for someone in that much pain? My name is Joe Kelly. Thank you so much for being a part of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Brian is going to be back on Wednesday. I will be back with you tomorrow here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Get more details when you go to briankilmeadeshow.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.